I like what Sarah just said in her prayer. Live that word. And I think as Christians, sometimes we struggle with living that word, the word of God, living the way God wants us to. It's sometimes difficult in a sinful world. It's sometimes It's sometimes saddening that our world has become the way it has. That sin seems to monopolize everything. What is right is wrong, and what is wrong is right. And that's the world that we live in today. It'd be easy to say, no, it's It's not like that at all, but the reality is, yeah, it is, and it's sad. I haven't come here today to talk about that, but it it has to do with who we are, who we are as people, who we are as men and women, children of Christ, who we represent when we're out among the sinners. And don't think for a minute we're not sinners. We all we all fall short of the glory of God. But my gosh, can't we put on a better face sometimes? I know I can. And I struggle to do it every day. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today a little bit. Is sinners. Uh, I be one. But I try to do the right thing each and every day. I try to do a little better tomorrow than I did today. And I'm always asking God to search my heart, to search my soul. What, where did I fall short today? What didn't I do that glorified you? <clears throat> what did I say that I shouldn't have said? Because we're in a world that everything is acceptable. I mean, nothing's off the table. You can do anything you want. You can go into a store and rob it. That's fine. Do you understand what I'm saying here? So it's tough for us that claim to be Christians that are trying to do the next right thing to do the next right thing simply because our society is saying, no, you don't need to do that. You can do this. And you can get away with it. And that kind of leads us to our story today, continuing in the Big Ten series. These are the Big Ten stories that I think is every Christian, they should know these stories. Last week, we did the Good Samaritan. That was a pretty good story, I thought. I preached it real good, too, (laughs) I thought, until I talked to my wife. She said, what? Nah, just kidding. Today, we're in the book of Luke again. See, last week we were in Luke. This week we're going to be in Luke. And I thought, maybe I should talk a little about who Luke was. Well, Luke was not around. Uh, He was not a disciple of Christ when Christ was on the earth. However, it's very possible that Luke might have met Christ at one time. Uh, Christ was on the earth. He left our earth about 30 AD. 
Luke was around that time. He was in that era. He wrote the book of Luke about 60 AD. So about 30 years had gone by since he possibly had met Jesus. But Luke was a companion of Paul. Now we're going to start a series here coming up. The Letters of Paul. And that's going to be really, really neat. So you need to tune in for that. But Luke was a Gentile. Now what's a Gentile? Well, a Gentile is a non-Jew. It doesn't mean that a Gentile was a bad person. It's just he wasn't born or she wasn't born Jewish. They were non-Jews and they were referred to as Gentiles, non-believers in the Jewish God, our God. But he became a companion of Paul. And he traveled with Paul, which is interesting because Luke was a physician. He was a doctor. He was a very educated man that came to believe in Christ, probably much through Paul. He wrote not only the book of Acts or of Luke, but he also wrote the book of Acts. Now, interesting about Acts, Acts is kind of tells you about the early church. Well, Luke was there with Paul, the church planter. You see? So he writes this book. He wasn't a witness to all this, but they investigated. He investigated what happened then, what happened here. See, there's four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, if Luke wasn't there, how did he get all this information? By investigating. And he writes in the book of Luke and in the book of Acts, much like somebody writing a documentary. Because he was an educated man. He was a doctor. He was very articulate in how he wrote not only Luke, but Acts. But that's who Luke was. So now we go to Luke. We're going to Luke 19, 1 through 10. And we're going to talk about a man called Zacchaeus. Pastor Richie mentioned Zacchaeus and I might have been friends if I was back then. Let me tell you why he said that. And we're going to read about this momentarily when I read the verse to you. Zacchaeus was short. <laughs> That's why Pastor Richie said that. The reason why I'm doing this today is typecasting. He needed somebody short to do Zacchaeus. So, moving on from the obvious. So who was Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was a tax collector for the Romans. However, Zacchaeus was Jewish. So what does that mean? That means that he turned his back, Zacchaeus did, on his Jewish people to work for the Romans to collect taxes for the Romans on the Jewish people. But as a tax collector, he didn't get paid by the Romans. How he got paid was, he would go to a store owner, and he'd say, okay, store owner, you owe the Romans taxes of $100, but I'm going to charge you $150, because that's my fee. So he collects $150 from the store owner, he gives 100 to Rome, and he keeps 50. 
That's how they got rich. Tax collectors were rich. Matthew, another writer of the Gospels, one of the Gospels, he also was a tax collector. Kind of interesting how Jesus kind of finds himself with those that are less desirable. But he is hated. Zacchaeus was hated by every Jew because he was a turncoat. He was a traitor. A traitor. A wealthy traitor. He got rich on the backs of others. So obviously, even today, we're not real fond of tax collectors, are we? So nothing has changed in a couple of 2,000 years. We still don't like the IRS, do we? No. Well, they didn't like him either. The Jews didn't like him either. Uh, everyone hated him. So, Jesus preached in Matthew, speaking of Matthew, Matthew 5, 6. He said to this, and he used tax collectors as an example. And all throughout scripture, you will see Republicans, that's not Republicans, publicans are tax collectors. You will often hear the word publican or read the word publican. That's a tax collector. Often Jesus would use them to make a point. And he says this in Matthew 5, 6, to emphasize a point, he said, if you love those who love you, what reward will it get you? Think about that. Let me read it again. If you love those who love you, which is very easy to do, you'll love people if they love you, what reward will it get you? Question mark. Are not even the tax collectors doing that? See? Jesus used that in Matthew. So tax collectors are used a lot in reference to people that are not very good. So here we go. I'm going to read Luke 19, 1 through 10. It says this. He entered Jericho, he meaning Jesus, and was passing through. And there was a man by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector, and he was rich. Zacchaeus was trying to see who Jesus was and was able to because of the crowd, for he was small in statue. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree in order to see him, see Jesus. For he was about to pass through that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and he said, Zacchaeus! Zacchaeus is in the tree, looking down at Jesus. Jesus looks up says, Zacchaeus! Yo, buddy! Hurry and come down, for today I must stay at your house. Okay. Zacchaeus, tax collector, nobody likes him. The reason why he's in the tree is because he's afraid he's going to get stabbed if he's in the crowd. He's up in the tree. Jesus says, I'm going to have dinner at your house. And, he'd hurried, and he hurried and came down and received him gladly. When they saw it, they, the crowd, they all began to grumble, saying, he has gone to the guest to be a guest of a man who is a sinner. See, the Pharisees thought of Zacchaeus as a sinner, as a bad person, and the, those that weren't 
uh, Pharisees just thought him to be a hateful and bitter man and wealthy and they resented their wealth. Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will give them back four times as much. All of a sudden, Zacchaeus' hearts changed. He's with Jesus, and he says, I'm going to do this. Jesus says, Today, salvation has come to this house because he, too, is the son of Abraham. Zacchaeus is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those which are lost. So what happened? Zacchaeus is there with Jesus, and all of a sudden, he changes. All of a sudden, he becomes transformed. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That's what's happened. All of a sudden, he has accepted Christ into his heart. The action that he took was an action due to the transformation of his heart. Do you see what I'm saying? It wasn't he did this because he wanted to out of the kindness of his heart. No, he was... He was a sinner. He was a man that stole from his own people. Under the guise of I'm the tax collector. The rouge. All of a sudden now he's saying, I'm going to give back. I'll give back the money. If I cheated anybody, I'll give their money back. What happened? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happened. Did God start dealing with his heart prior to Jesus coming? I don't know. Maybe. Why? Why did he want to go and see Jesus so bad? Maybe God had already started working on him. Maybe God had said, you need to go see my son, Zacchaeus. Was it the reports of the miracles of Jesus? Maybe. Was it the way he was teaching? Maybe. Was it the way he was dressed? Maybe. Who knows? I suspect it was the love and the friendship that Jesus showed Zacchaeus that transformed his heart. It was a privilege to have a foreigner come to your house for dinner as they were traveling through. Maybe it was the love that Jesus showed Zacchaeus. So how does that affect us today. There are millions, if not billions, of Zacchaeuses out there running around. We know them. They're our friends, some of them. Maybe God is dealing with one of those people right now. Maybe God is dealing with their hearts. And maybe God is saying, you need to go and see so-and-so. See an Ethan or see a Bobby. See a Sarah. The question becomes, when God is working on those millions and billions of people, 
and God says, go see so-and-so. The person doesn't know it, but so-and-so is put in front of that person. Could it be that God is sending you to save a life? Is it possible that God is sending you to change a life? What are we going to do when that happens? Are we going to be like Jesus? Are we going to love and care for that person? Or are we going to reject them? Because we know that they're sinners. Are we going to scorn them because of their past? Because we know what their past is. And their past is not good. I have a bad past. Will you scorn me? No, there was somebody that came alongside of me and said, I love you regardless of how bad you are. I know you're a sinner. You even look like a sinner. You even smell like a cigar sinner because of cigarettes. Try to get that out a couple of times. Or maybe it was the booze on my breath. I was going to a church. They found out I was an alcoholic and three-quarters of the church didn't talk to me anymore. Is that what that person is going to find when they come to you and ask you for help? Will you accept them for who they are, warts and all? Will you befriend them and love them like Jesus loved Zacchaeus? I hope so. I pray so. Because right now, this world is in a sinful place. Just turn on the news. Read the newspaper. Turn on your computer. Turn on your laptop. Turn on your iPad. You can see it. When right is wrong and wrong is right, who's in control? Who's trying to take control? Do you remember this? God is always in control. If we allow him to be in control. If we allow him to be in our lives. It's God's grace and it's God's love that we must show each and every day. If we don't, if we don't, this world doesn't stand a chance without us. Let's pray. Father God, show us the way Help us to be the people you want us to be. So many times it's so easy to turn our heads the other way when people don't look like us, act like us, talk like us. When we know that they're sinners, we have a tendency to not get involved. We need to be involved. The Great Commission tells us that we have to make disciples of all nations. Baptize him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We need to do that. You don't need to be a pastor to do that. What you need to be is a person in love with you, in love with Jesus. Help us. Help us to be those people. What would you do? That's what we need to remember. What would Jesus do? Lord, I ask that you bless this congregation, those that are here in-house and those that are online. Lord, we love you. We praise you and give all the glory to you. And it's Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Hello, my name is Doug Doms. I'm the executive pastor here at the Movement Church. It is through your blessings that this ministry continues to reach out and touch lives that 
might not have been touched otherwise. If you want to continue to support our ministry, please go to movementchurch.community and please remember to tell your friends, go on social media, tell your friends at Movement 937. God bless you and have a wonderful day and thanks again. Thank you.